Hey everyone, this is Matt Kamen, your host for Nonprofit on the Rocks and co-founder of Envision Consulting, which is a national organization working with nonprofits in recruiting and strategy. So if you are a nonprofit anywhere in the country, Ashley, I feel like you should know us, right? I absolutely think everyone should know us. So just in case people don't know who you are, you are Ashley Watterson, our producer. How are you doing tonight, Ashley? What's going on? I'm doing great, Matt. I am looking forward with some trepidation to what I am calling the 12 days of Thanksgiving because my mother-in-law is coming in town. And I know we hear the term mother-in-law and everyone kind of cringes, but I have the most delightful mother-in-law, but she's coming in town for four days. The day she leaves, my sister, her husband and their three children come into town. The following day after that, my parents come into town. So it's literally 12 days where I will be hosting family around Thanksgiving. So yeah, I'm excited, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous. That's a, that's a lot, a lot of. Can I be perfectly honest with you, Ashley? You always are. Okay, thanks. I don't understand why you said yes to any of it. You know, Matt, we got to live while we're young. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> so what's your excuse is my question, Ashley. What's your excuse? <laughs> Ouch. That cut deep, Matt, that cut deep. And you know, I was feeling vulnerable because I was already telling you how I really wish we could live in Zoom filter land <laughs> because of the wrinkle disappearing. I want you to know that today I had to take a Microsoft Teams meeting and there is no filter. Wait, why? There was somebody who hosted a meeting through Microsoft Teams and yes. there is no filter. So I had to look at myself and like, look at how I really look, which nobody should be doing right like nobody well, should be doing. why would you have a meeting using anything that didn't have a filter like I I, this isn't me like choosing one medium over another one company over another it's just me saying couldn't we all do with a little filter in our life I agree by the way Ashley I feel like people should know that you and I had a happy hour last week at Fleming's in Pasadena and I'm going to tell you something. I really enjoyed my cocktails and you didn't finish yours. <laughs> that is a lie. I finished mine. I was trying to be a cheap date because at the time I didn't realize I was picking up the tab. <laughs> I, would you expect me to pay? I mean, I feel like, come on, you know me by now. So while I was really excited about having happy hour with you, what I was most excited about is that we have decided that for the next show, I'm going to interview Allison Fuller, my co-founder at Envision Consulting. And it's going to be good because we're going to reveal all the secrets, all the stories, all the things that we shouldn't be saying about our clients. What do you think, Ashley? Well, so let me just get this straight. You and Allison Fuller, your co-founder of Envision, are going to get sauced on a couple of drinks and you're just gonna gossip about all of your clients, past, present, future, what have you. I don't see yeah. how that could possibly go wrong. Yeah, I should really like disguise the names, I guess. That would be smart, right? Maybe where they're located, for example. But yeah, no, if you want to know about nonprofit next show, that's the one to listen to. Let me tell you, because we're going to lay it all out there. And I'm going to get her sauced real fast because Allison's like a cheap date. One drink, she's out. Well, I cannot wait to hear that episode because you and Allison together are hilarious and just full of insightful information. And I'm sure you have 
amazing stories to tell with names changed, of course. Okay. We really should talk about Omi and how amazing she is in this next episode because I adore Omi. I adore La Rock. Such a great organization. Why don't you share with our listener who's left a little bit about this coming episode? Yes. Our upcoming episode is with Omi Crawford. She is the director of La Rock's which is an organization that puts on essentially battle of the bands between bands that are made up of legal professionals and they play for charities that they choose. And so it's all one giant rock concert fundraiser. Omi puts these on across the country. I think they're in over 12 cities now. They just finished their first show in Miami, on Miami beach, which was awesome. So Super fun interview. And Matt, here's what I was thinking about. Do you think like the biggest perk of working for Law Rocks wouldn't so much be like the celebs that may show up at some of the shows, but the fact that if you ever got into any kind of legal trouble, like you would have umpteen choices for representation. That's also where I want to know all my money is going from my lawyer because, you know, she's practicing whatever she's doing with my money, which is fine. (laughs) Your lawyer, like, took the time that you were sued by your neighbor because they were disturbed by your Halloween decorations. And she used that to learn to become a bass player in Mm -hmm. a kick-ass rock band. Yes. So uh, I do believe that if you put on rock shows for lawyers that, yeah, anytime something goes down, you should have a friend. That's the way I look at it. I just think it's a really good perk. I feel like Omi could go out and rob a bank and no problem, you know, because she's got all the representation that she wants in her Rolodex. By Rolodex, I mean her iPhone. (laughs) So I do hope that folks learn from Omi's story because she moved from working at a nonprofit part-time to now being the director. And it's a really cool story of, you know, wanting to get into nonprofit and then running a nonprofit and a really cool one, especially during COVID when their entire programming is live concerts and how she was able to make that work. So with that, Ashley, is there anything else that you want to leave with our listeners? Well, I just think if you are somebody who is in need of a lawyer, Omi might have a couple of people that she could recommend. All right. I'm going to let Omi know that how you basically recommended this show for people to listen to is just for legal advice. Not about Omi's story, not about the interviewer, not about Law of Rocks, just about free legal representation. On that note, Ashley, I'm letting our listeners go. Please enjoy this, I think, fantastic interview with Omi Crawford, who is the director of Law Rocks. Hello, my friend, Omi Crawford. How are you tonight? Hi, Matt. I'm good. I'm very happy to be here with you. I'm also really happy to be here with you and to tell everybody who's listening, I'm 0 for 2 with you. Like, the first time I had to cancel, this time I'm running late. I mean, (laughs) thank you for sticking with it. Yes, you're welcome. I'm glad I have a cocktail to ease that pain. Yeah, right? Okay, so before we start, what are you drinking tonight? I am having a refreshing Moscow Mule, which is very nice in this heat wave we're experiencing. Nice. And I'm, as always, drinking some brown liquor. Classic. Cheers. Cheers. And yes, we're in this horrendous heat wave. I think this is like day nine of 100 plus weather here in the Valley. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is brutal. It's very, very, very warm. It is oveny. My, my dog loves to take like an evening walk. And so every night she'll come in and she'll be like, oh, can we take a walk? Can we take a walk? And I'm like, 
no. And so like an hour later, can we take a walk? No. And then finally like nine o'clock, you know, for the last week, I've been like, okay, let's take you out. We walk out onto the first step and she's like, nope. And goes right <laughs> back in. Smart, smart. Yeah, I feel like my daughter's doing the same thing. Like, let's go outside. She's almost three. I'm like, Thady, it's too hot too hot but then when she gets out there she'll stay for a while and I'm like we are melting actually she wants to go into the enclosed garage and bounce a basketball mm, no 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 it's terrible so my husband is a is an outdoor water baby and I get really cranky in the heat and so he does everything he can to be in a body of water and I just want to sit on the couch in air conditioning so not great not yeah, great. although I will say I was in Ohio where I'm from this summer and I think I'd look at my watch and it'd be like, you know, 80 degrees. And I will take dry 100 degrees over humid 80 degrees because it was disgusting. I forgot how bad the humidity is. So that put it in perspective a little bit because that is no joke. Lots of people I know are from Ohio, but, but you know, it's funny. I tell people all the time, I'm like, hey, you know, I have a podcast, right? Like, hey, when you drive across country, listen to the show. Nope, they don't do it. They suck. They suck. So I'm counting on you to market the hell out of this show so we get it out there. There you go. It should be out there. I know. You should be out there. <laughs> I have so many questions for you and I want everybody to know how we know each other. So when Allison and I started Envision like 11 years ago, we met Ted, who's one of the co-founders of La Ross, right? Yes. In the US. Yep. He brought it to the US. So we met Ted and when we first started, we were doing events and we were doing fundraising and we were doing things like that. And so he hired us to put on La Rock, San Francisco. And it was so much fun. I had no idea that lawyers even could play in a band, much less actually play well in a band and not charge the time for it and actually give away their time, which is shocking. So I adore Ted. I adore La Rocks. And then you came in and got the job and I kept telling Ted, like, hire her, hire her. And he was such a pain in the ass about it. And I was such a fan of yours when I met you. And finally, now, you are the director. So we have so many things to talk about. But before we start, would you mind telling folks what is La Rocks? Sure, I'd love to. So our mission is to promote music education and raise funds for local charities by, drumroll please, Battle the Band Rock Concerts starring legal professionals. And we do a tour of these all around the entire world, all starring mostly lawyers or other legal professionals who are also like undercover musicians, some incredibly talented, and they get to pick a local charity that they are passionate about and raise money for it. So it's a very specific, very cool, growing organization. So I just want everybody who fell on their floor to, to understand what you just said. So it is lawyers <laughs> who play in a band whose band plays against other bands at a competition and then people get to watch and vote. And then whoever wins, money goes to their charity, right? Yeah. So we're trying to basically bring the legal community together at these extremely fun, hopefully cool events where they get to see their colleagues rock out. It's basically like a big rock concert. But yeah, it is all lawyers and they're all different. Some people are like, so wait, there's like a band that tours around the world. I'm like, no, each city has like eight bands of lawyers. That's how many lawyers play in bands. So yeah, rock globally, give locally is our, is our slogan. That's cool. Rock globally, give locally. I like that. Yeah. When we met Ted, and this, like I said, was 100,000 years ago, I think that the first event that he had done was at the Roxy on Sunset in Hollywood. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, that's the place to be. 
Yeah. And that's one of the goals too, is like, let the lawyers be a rock star for a night while they're doing this fundraising. So you're like, we play the whiskey. That's where we've been recently in Los Angeles, 930 club in DC, that 100 club in London. Definitely the goal is to make it, you know, a venue that has legendary or, or very acclaimed, like the 930 club has been on lots of lists of one of the top venues to play. So it's not like where they're playing in their firm's like conference room or, or a hotel or something it's got a real rock star cred to it yeah no it's really cool and again when we did the the event i was like oh crap it's a bunch of lawyers at a venue they're gonna get on stage somebody's gonna trip they're gonna sue like <laughs> the, the organization's gonna go bankrupt but like truly they're really even i think it was like maybe a page agreement like one page that they had to sign it was like this is a bunch of lawyers and like one page. So it was really like, I was really impressed and they cared and they truly did give their time for their charity. So it's a cool event. It's a really cool. I event. didn't realize that you actually did the event for him. I didn't, obviously that was before my time. So you guys went to San Francisco and oh, wow. We did. Like Allison and I are very, really, really good at throwing events and, and even raffles, by the way, and silent auctions, which we don't do anymore. Thank God. But <laughs> yeah, when we first started, we just, we needed business. And so he paid us to I think from start to finish, do the event. Plus we got to go to San Francisco and that was really cool. So yeah. I think we charged like maybe $3,000. Like it was like, it was like nothing <laughs> to put on this event, but it was so much fun. And we got to meet Ted. Okay, so everybody knows now what Law Rocks is and you should go and take a look. Ooh, and speaking of, what's like the newest city you want to get into? Well, actually... We're going to Miami on November 3rd. So that's pretty exciting because we've been trying to break into Miami for a little while. And this year we're going in conjunction with the annual conference of the International Bar Association, which is a great way to go to a new city because you kind of have a built-in audience. So we're playing Miami Beach Band Shell. So it's an outdoor venue right by the beach. It's going to be pretty exciting. So that's probably the one that's been on the list for a while, but I'd say Nashville, Seattle are also on the list. I mean, Vegas, we get a lot as well. So we've been to 25 cities around the world. God. I mean, first of all, if you could get Gloria Stefan to just like, this is the gayest thing I'm ever going to say in my life. <laughs> but if you could get Gloria Stefan, the gay idol, to host it, I'm in. Like, I'll fly. I'll do whatever it takes. I want to meet her. I mean, I'm putting this out there. Gloria Stefan, not that she necessarily is the person you want, but I want her to, to be the host of your event. We would be thrilled. Done. And then in Nashville, you got to have Dolly Parton. Oh my God, I didn't realize I was such a huge homo. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> I love all these suggestions. Do you have like connections? Can you help make this happen, Matt? <laughs> I think actually, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I do have a connection to Dolly Parton. Oh my God, that would just be ridiculous. Okay. And then we got connected, you and, you and, and me, through Mark Watterson, right? That's right. Okay, so I need to back up for a second. For those of you out there who are listening and maybe first-time listeners, Mark Watterson is the husband of Ashley, who is the terrible producer of this show, right? And-, and I'm not agreeing to say terrible producer. <laughs> uh, it's a step up. Terrible is a step up for her. That's right. That's not very nice. That's not very nice. <laughs> and you knew Mark when he was single before he met Ashley. So like, this is like- who Ashley should never have suggested you go on this show because like, I think we need to spend like five minutes talking about Ashley. Oh, for sure, for sure. Maybe 15, yeah. <laughs> By the way, what's so crazy to me is Mark Watterson, episode seven, season one, is the most popular show that we've done in the four seasons of this podcast. And I think he has like a thousand downloads. Like he is the most popular 
episode, which is really interesting, right? Wow. What's the title? Do you remember? I'm wondering what made it the, have to go check it out. The title was Ashley's husband, why you need to hire Ashley. Like that was, that was the title. Like she got in just through nepotism at the end of the day. And I gotta be honest, let's just see how she makes that sound. And you can tell me at the end, if you think she should stay employed. Do you? Okay. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about, tell us about when you heard about Ashley for the first time, what did Mark say about her? Mark's so private. So, you know, he didn't give me a lot of dirt. So I more had to glean things, but I do remember her coming to the office and like stopping by and them looking at each other with little faces. And she was much more outgoing and funny. So I was like, this is very interesting. Hmm. And then, you know, they started doing trips together and traveling and they were, I mean, they were pretty lovey-dovey. I don't know. I wish I had something more like juicy and scandalous to say, but they're kind of adorable, Matt. <laughs> You know what? They are adorable. By the way, they do make a really good couple. And you know Ashley's coming from like, she. you hear her voice like a mile before she walks into the building. So like, you knew she was coming into that place before she got there. So, if, and, and I know like Mark loves her and she loves Mark and they truly are like, I mean, as much as I like to make fun of her and I do, they're just so good together. They're so good together. So, okay. I think I gave a toast to that effect at their wedding. Like, Did you really? Yeah, I think I said something like, Ashley's like the star, Mark's her number one audience or something, really. <laughs> uh, now, that's what she's going to title this, the star and the audience. No, she can't. She can't title it about her. She would title this episode. <laughs> she would, but we can't have that. Okay, and so you have a really interesting history too, because like, for me, you're an actor. Like, that's what you are, not a nonprofit person. And when you met Mark, you met at a nonprofit. So like... Can you tell us a little bit about you and why in the world you're a nonprofit? Sure. It surprises me a bit still, but I moved to Los Angeles for Hollywood like so few people do. I mean, it's really rare. I hardly meet anyone out here who wants to be involved in the film industry, but where I worked with Mark was really flexible and I started out part-time and I stayed there for quite a while. And I honestly, now I see, I gained a huge breadth of experience because like most organizations, we had to do so much. We had to fill so many roles and learn so many things and be involved in so many aspects of running that facility. But they also were really cool with me auditioning. And I also am a writer and a producer and you know pursuing that as well. And I started to realize my time there was winding down and becoming interested in other things. And it's around that time shortly after Mark had left where we worked together for almost 10 years. And I wanted to look for something that was also flexible and also part-time, but still in the nonprofit world, and but maybe a little more like connected to my vibe of you know creativity and events and performances, which obviously Law Rocks is. It started out, you know, a very small role, I would say. Law Rocks didn't have any employees or it was just all volunteer. But I guess, I don't know, you'll have to tell me if Ted just was like, I can't maybe do all of this by myself was why that he's looking for somebody. But as fate would have it, it like timed out, which is kind of amazing because it's like Mark is coming off of, you know, he's making a move. He had just met you guys. I'm wanting to make a move. I meet you around the time that you're working with Ted and it all just kind of synced up because I really believe that I was the right person for Law Rocks and that Law Rocks was the right role for me. It makes a lot of sense. I offer things that are perfect for the organization and the organization has been great for me as well. 
we were working with Ted and we told Ted, you have to meet her. Like you have to meet him, you have to hire her. She's perfect for your organization. And I think what frustrates me about founders, but also about nonprofits, it's not like they're not willing to, but they don't pull the trigger, right? Like they don't invest. And he could have hired you full-time, but he didn't and brought you in right part-time as a contractor. And now you've, you've been there over eight years and now you're running the place. I wish he had let you run the place eight years ago. And so when we talk to founders all the time, they don't listen to us, but he at least took our advice and you stuck it out. So like, that's a big deal. So tell me now that you are the director of this organization, right? And you came in as the director of basically of marketing and fundraising, right? Yeah, I was the one employee. That was the title that we decided upon. Yes. I just said a title. He's like, okay. (laughs) So now you're running the place. You came in as director of marketing and advancement. What didn't you know back then that you have to deal with as a director of a nonprofit? That's such a great question. A lot, because right now, like I spent almost my whole day today talking to sponsors and we're trying to continue to grow. We've got like post-pandemic, man, people are ready to be out because it's like the shows were popping this spring. I mean, I shouldn't really say post-pandemic because I know it's not technically over, but behaviorally, it feels like it's kind of post-pandemic, right? So Houston, we went to Houston, we quintupled our fundraising from the previous year. And it was like real concert vibes, like a line at the merch table, like VIP people. I feel like people are ready to be out. And also, I don't know if you've experienced this with other organizations, but I feel like people are ready to give. I feel like we're beating our records more. People feel very generous. And I think also La Rocks has kind of tipped into an area where more and more of the legal community are hearing about us so that beyond just the bands, it's other people who want to go, like fear of missing out, like they want to be at the event. I feel like because we're still so small, I do have one employee who's part-time, but it's always triaging what needs to be done. So I feel like I'm constantly trying to think about the big picture because we're so small. I still have to do some smaller scale type stuff, you know, every day, how can I advance the organization and make sure that we continue to grow and we don't lose some of this like kind of hype we have right now and reach our goal, which is have sponsors cover the tour and give away every cent we make at the event. How can we do that while also just making sure each event, so we have four you know, four tour dates this fall here in the U.S., as well as the global ones that we do all the marketing and web social media for. Make sure everything still runs properly because now I've I've been more involved with compliance type stuff and tax type stuff. So I feel like it's just that balance, right? Wearing all the hats, trying to figure out what's the most important thing every given day, because the truth is you're never going to get it all done. And that's really hard for me because I like to be someone who's like, okay, my desk is clear. Everything's checked off. And it's like, never, (laughs) it's never going to happen because there's always if not a concrete task, there's someone else that I could be reaching out to try to introduce to Law Rocks or someone to catch up with. And so I think part of it for me is just finding mental peace with that, with my personality type and then managing, because now I'm managing an employee and I actually just had two interns that wrapped up. So also trying to manage the staff and make sure that they're similarly prioritizing with kind of the end goal overall vision at the top. You know, I I did a podcast before where I asked the executive director, like, how do you stay involved in the programming? Because once you're in charge, you have to deal with all the things, like you said, like operations and staff and insurance that like are no fun. And at least I'm assuming you still get to go to the shows. But a lot of the times when you're in charge of a nonprofit, you don't really get to see 
the programs. And so that to me must be the coolest part about your job that like, yeah, okay, you got to deal with all the operations and staffing and whatever, but you get to see these amazing shows and you get to put them on. That's cool. It really is cool. And sometimes the reaction of the crowd is super cool. People are, have no idea that like, you know, this buttoned up guy has this other side to them. Or I actually posted about this on LinkedIn recently because so often people will be like, well, wait, that they're not a lawyer or they just can't get over that these are actually legal professionals. But yeah, it's extremely cool. And honestly, that's another thing that, that I've learned, which is delegation, basically, because there's so many different pieces now because we've added different components to make the events as good as they can be. So I've recently been like, we need someone to be the stage manager. We need someone to do the tech. We need someone to do like the merch donations so that I can actually talk to people and engage now that this is my role and, you know, being willing to to ask for that, which is completely fine. But my, I think this is also common in the nonprofit world. My instinct is just to try to do everything. And you can't, and you yeah. can't, you cannot do everything. So if you were not running Law Rocks, would you want to be an executive director of a nonprofit? I think so. Especially in recent years, there's so many causes that have thought that about, like, I would really like to work with that cause, or this is something that I could spend my life engaged with. I do also hope to return to my artistic pursuits in some degree as well. Right now I'm in the throes of early childhood with my kid and I don't want to miss that and kind of stepping up at Law Rocks, but I can see a time when that will calm down a little. And even if it's less time than I used to, I have a play that I've written. I have a feature that I've written. I want to return to those things. I produced and acted in a web series with my best friend right before I was pregnant, kind of before the pandemic. So weird because I had a baby in the pandemic. So it really feels like the entire world just completely changed in so many ways during that time. But I hope to find a, a life where I can have art, parenting, as well as continuing with Law Rocks or another organization that I'm extremely passionate about and believe in. Mm. So what I'm hearing is that Ted's going to be real mad at me because at some point I'm going to recruit you away to run a artistic kind of program, maybe like an after school program for kids teaching them like music. We'll see how I many it could happen. So if Ted's listening to this, you better watch out, Ted. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about COVID. When we were in lockdown, how in the world did Law Rock survive? Because you guys are all about live shows. So like, what did you do? Yeah, I'm so grateful that everything turned out because I was pretty nervous there. I remember we had a show at the Whiskey March 2020 and people were kind of talking about this coronavirus thing and we're all like, well, like just no idea. So many people I've seen recently be like, that's the last event that I went to before the pandy. The San Francisco show was coming and we're like, oh, I guess we have to cancel it, postpone it for a few weeks. Just no clue. Anyway, when it became clear that it was going to be a while and we kept rescheduling. So I feel like so much of my time was like rescheduling, rescheduling, rescheduling. But we did a virtual event. First of all, we trimmed things as much as we could. And then we did a virtual event in December and it like it did really well. The bands did virtual performances, one song per band. We sent a call to the whole world. I think we had 20 bands participate maybe each with a song. And then we did a thing where we had a celebrity introduce the band. So we were trying to come up with a way to make people want to watch it. Cause you know, everything's on zoom and the computer and it's like people are a little burned out. So by making it just one song and then adding the celebrity component and we got that combined with some grants and the PPP and stuff got us through because it, it went really well. People were really impressed with it. Of course I like created it, wrote the script for the host, edited it myself on Final Cut in my house. Like it was extremely low budget, but it really came out very, very nicely. There's another place where the like 
artistic background has benefited my current profession because I wouldn't have known how to do Final Cut otherwise. Before you go on, did you have Gloria Stefan or Dolly Parton as any of those celebrities introducing any of the bands? I mean, we had Iggy Pop. We had Dave Navarro. That was very cool. There's a couple bands that, because we worked with the bands to arrange it, that used Cameo, but almost all of them were from, from us, from like our connections or bands connections, you know. So that was pretty pretty cool to see and bands would get creative some of them did like on the beach they did music video type things I don't think anyone would have time for this now if we tried to do it because we talked about it like should we try to do because we called it La Roxapalooza I mean I I know that COVID sucked believe me I know COVID sucked for so many people and it was really bad and I know all of that but you know there were some really lovely things out of COVID, like Zoom, for example, but also those kinds of events where the world slowed down so much that you were able to do certain things like that. And so, yeah, you will never be able to do that again, ever. But I'm also okay with that because I don't ever want to have a shutdown and I never want to have another global pandemic again. But all that being said, I do miss some of the slowdown of COVID. Right. Yeah, There. that was, I mean... And I think I realized that like, this is this is of this moment that these lawyers have time to, you know, some of them did the split screens because they weren't even comfortable filming the same room. And some of them did and, you know, really well, well put together pieces. But yeah, now it's like, I can barely get people to return emails sometimes. Where can we find the show? Is it still on online? It is, it is. I think it's lawrocks.org slash LZA for and- Lawrocks-a-Palooza. Wow, that's really amazing. That's such a funny name. And <laughs> you, if somebody down, if somebody watches it, do you make money, or how does that work? But there's that donation ask in it, but it's just on YouTube for for free enjoyment. But for the for the live stream, we charge for tickets. So we sold tickets, and we had sponsors, and it was financially helpful. But I think it was also like keeping the Law Rock spirit alive helpful because otherwise we would have had nothing for so long. And that way we were able to kind of bring together firms and bands from around the world for the event. People still selected a, a charity to raise for. So it still followed our model of local giving. So we're always encouraging the bands to pick a small local organization versus like a huge one, just so it really can feel like we're making a difference through the events. I mean, we were pretty lenient with all of our roles, but that's what we encourage them to do. What is the average size of the donation that you guys give to the local charities? I would have to do a little math on average because it varies so widely from city to city, but I can say it, I mean, it's usually at least a few thousand dollars, but sometimes it's been as much as 30 grand or we'll have, for instance, a band will play year after year for the same organization. So like in New York, there's organization advocates for children of New York, and they basically try to help any kids that have any barrier to education. And the same band has played for them year after year. I think they're at like almost 150k now you know cumulatively that they've raised for that charity and really we do all the work of putting together the event so the charity just basically says please donate and that competitive part which is really part of what makes us work so well because lawyers many of them are a bit competitive I think that they fundraise more money than they would have otherwise because the people on the band use that as a reason to ask for money. Like, help my band win, get it before the deadline. And especially in New York, man, they're not playing around. They're yeah. like, what's the latest total? Multiple times a day. I'm like, I'm not the stock exchange. But yeah, they're in it to win it, which is obviously so awesome for the organizations that they're supporting. So here in LA, 
And I will tell you, by the way, I'm really proud of this podcast because we are actually international. I want to tell you that we are like top 20 in Denmark. We are top 50 in Canada. We are in Australia. We're in Colombia. Like we're real. However, here in LA, what are some of the nonprofits that you guys have supported? <laughs> You're so real. Am real. Thank Very you. real. And we've been to some of those places too. In fact, we have La Rock, Sydney in Australia in October. So in Los Angeles, mental health advocacy services is one that's been year after year. This band raises funds for them, which is really cool. LA Family Housing is one that's been raised for multiple times. City of Hope, that's a larger one that has definitely been raised for. Because those are always kind of the cool ones where the, the band has built a relationship. Although it's kind of fun to mix it around as well. The Council for Justice at the Los Angeles County Bar Association, which does great work. There's a band that always plays for them. So sometimes we will have those like legal aid organizations. Oh, Women Lawyers of Los Angeles. I think he's retired from Law Rocks, but he's actually a solo act. Matt Umhofer from Spiritus Landis and Umhofer. And he has played for Wallala, Women Lawyers of Los Angeles, several times. And he's like almost one. He raises enough money just as one person, which is very impressive. It's very clear to me that you really enjoy your job, which is nice to hear. I like that. We get very lucky to interview a ton of people on this show. And I will tell you probably 90% of the folks I interview like their job. But it's just really nice to hear your passion for what you do. I think so too. And I honestly feel like I've had a bit of renewed passion. First of all, I mean, I like to joke about Ted that he's great. The board is great. And they appreciate me, which is, I mean, I think it's deserved, but also it does feel good. And I enjoy working with the legal community, getting to meet all these lawyers and also the international aspect of it as well. And then, yeah, it's, you're putting on a show, you know, since I was a little kid, I was making my parents watch me and sister put on a show. That's definitely, you know, I enjoy that, that aspect of it as well. And I'm a people person. So I like the event part a lot, even though it's intermittent, it's definitely fun to get to do that piece of it. And now I'm doing more of the interaction with sponsors as well. Yeah, the fundraising piece is very important in anything with 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 nonprofits. But what's what's interesting to me is also that you work with the founder. And so we've done a lot of conversations on this show about founders. And I'm not asking you to talk shit about Ted because I can, but tell me the best and the worst about working with a founder of a nonprofit. Okay. I think they're the one and the same. <laughs> He's very invested and that much care is inspiring. And also, I think it's pretty cool that he did this at all. I mean, he has a regular job. He's an expert witness, works for a secretariat, an international firm. I think he's fully busy with that. And he has a family, but he's doing this as a passion project, obviously without any help for a while. And he travels all the time too. So I don't even know how, I don't, I don't even understand how his time works. So I'm like, hey, you are very busy. But I think in the flip side of that is, I think I've had to... I won't say fight, but to be able to have more say. And I mean, he's always trusted me, but it's more of a letting go, you know, and he's still, I think, more involved than most board presidents would be as a founder. I talk to him every week and he definitely weighs in on things, but I feel much more like I am running it than earlier. So I think that's probably the, it's the same thing. He cares a lot. So that's an awesome, inspiring thing. But also for a while, I felt like I wasn't as involved in all the decision-making as I wanted to be. We've evolved. So if Ted, you're listening to this, you gotta give up some more so that Omi could just run the place. That's what I'm saying. You didn't say it, Omi, I said it. I do adore Ted. I think he's a really, really good guy. So, and like was a co-founder of this phenomenal organization. So we have a lot of nonprofits that 
want to do events and a lot of people who think fundraising happens at events and also a lot of people who think celebrities bring in money which by the way is not the case but tell me what your favorite event not your own what is your favorite nonprofit event that you've ever been to and why mm. So while you think about that, because it has been COVID and we haven't been to an event in a while, you mentioned LA Family Housing is one of the nonprofits that you guys sponsor. They had one of my most favorite events that I ever went to. So Oprah has a production company and she has a building in West Hollywood. It was on her lot and it was outside. And what they did was they brought in like 25 chefs of really great restaurants in LA. Each chef was there and had a table that they were serving their most popular dish and there weren't that many people there. There must have been maybe like 300 people. So if you think about it, 300 people and 25 tables, it's really not, not terrible. And so we had 25 restaurants where I was able to have the signature dish of so 25 dishes. Also, they had an open bar, many open bars, actually. And then they didn't even have like a sit down anything. So after two hours of eating and drinking and boozing it up, they had us go inside and we weren't seated at tables. They had like all different kinds of seating sections. So there was a couch and there was like a high top, all different kinds of things. And they didn't, they didn't have a whole program. They didn't honor anybody. They showed a video. The executive director, Stephanie, got up, made a pitch, and that was it. It was the greatest event. I ate, I drank, I didn't have to like listen to anybody, and I left and I made a donation. What was your favorite event? You know what comes to mind? This is definitely pre-pandemic, pre-baby, but was actually one of Mark's events. He has annual garden parties at CAS. And I remember one, I can't remember the venue, but it was at a, I think a private residence. It was gorgeous. There was like a, you know, infinity pool and a huge garden and lots of different delicious foods and similar, I guess, food and wine. Maybe this is what, this is the answer, Matt. But I just remember I went with my husband and it was like almost like a date night was how much we enjoyed it because we were out and it was gorgeous scenery and delicious food and some drinks. And Mark kept it brief. I think he did a very brief ask as well. So maybe that's another hint to a great event. So I think, first of all, you just totally kissed ass to Mark yet again. Uh, and Ashley is just sitting back smiling at that answer. But I will tell you that I agree with you. It's all about food, wine, booze, and no long, terrible speeches, period. Right. I keep bringing it back to La Rocks, but people have said stuff like, this is an actually fun charity event to us. Or I think we actually had someone say something and I asked to use it as a quote and there people were like, we can't say that because it sounded rude to other organizations. But essentially that like we can actually feel good about something and have a lot of fun doing it because, yeah, we're a rock concert. We have a VIP beforehand with open bar and lots of food. And then you go and you drink and listen to music. There's no ask, essentially. I mean, we do have the nonprofits get up and share like a minute, again, short, a minute about their organization and their mission. And then they do the final introduction of the band. That's how we bring them in. Maybe this is going to be a Twitter question. Should I be offended that I haven't been invited to a Law Rocks event since the one we put on San Francisco? What do you think, Omi? I feel like I should be a little huh, bit. Should you be offended? Uh, I think that you should just automatically assume that you're always invited as a VIP guest in every city that we go to. You're like, oh, gee, yes, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to call bullshit, but but what's going to happen is that Ash is going to put that on Twitter that nobody follows. So how does social media work for you? Because you're all over social media. We've actually revamped our policy, which is or our plan, I should say, which is LinkedIn, because that's really where we get the most. I mean, we're a legal community. 
event. I'd say it works pretty well, but I am constantly evaluating the amount of time that we should be spending there. It's really tricky, honestly, as a small organization, because to be on all the channels and have enough content takes more time than it feels like it's worth, but you're also wanting that number for sponsorship. And that actually, can I ask you a question about something you just mentioned, which was celebrity involvement, because this is something Ted and I have discussed a lot. And I think he's been more of the school of thought that it does help. And I guess it depends on what your goal is. And I used to be more anti, although recently, as I've seen the cooler our shows are, the more people want to come and the more people want to come, the more sponsors we get. So I just would be curious to hear you expand on that celebrity involvement doesn't work statement. So what I love about this question that you asked me is that we have a segment on this show called Matt's Playing Across America. So right now, Ashley's put on the music and we are going into that answer, which makes me really happy. And so here's my opinion about celebrities, truly. I think that if you have a celebrity that really does care and is willing to write you a check from their own pocket, that's a celebrity you should use. If you have a celebrity that just wants to use you for their own social media, or literally all they're going to do is maybe make a post on their Twitter or their Instagram or whatever, that's a waste of time. Because to get them involved, you have to spend so much time and that's not gonna get you anything. So the celebrities that are gonna get you anything are gonna be those that will write you a check. That is my opinion. But if you do have a celebrity who is maybe gonna be the MC at your event and it's a true celebrity, like a Dolly Parton celebrity, that's gonna work because she would not only fund the COVID vaccine, by the way, but she also would like really stand up there and would, would you know, not charge you to come to the event, which is what celebrities do, not charge you and make you, give you a rider for their green room and all the things they want, but she'd be a normal person and would show up and would host the event. So I think celebrities work when they're invested and when they're not invested, they don't work. Very interesting. I will pass this along. But overall, I think a lot of board members think, hey, bringing a celebrity, it's gonna make us money. It doesn't. You have to really have somebody invested like anybody else, and then it can get you money. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, it does help. Okay, all right, so that's my that's my celebrity take. That's your event take. I'd like to, I have just a few other questions for you, and then I'm gonna let you go for the evening. The first is, you're a new mom, and I'd love to know as a parent, because I am not a parent, how, much of a pain in the ass is it to be a parent and the director of a nonprofit? I like how you phrase that. It's definitely challenging. I'm kind of in awe of everybody who does this whole have a kid and work and like take care of yourself and live and have a marriage and do all the things. I mean, I've been hearing it my whole life, but now when you're living it, you're just like, oh, wow. I mean, at the same time, I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I adore my child. My kid's also very awesome. So, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but she's a lot of fun. Actually, when I was in a mommy and me class at the beginning of parenthood, they said, keep these two words in your mind throughout parenthood for now. Everything is for now. So my baby's not sleeping through the night for now or whatever it is. And I think about that sometimes because I know that she'll only be so demanding for now, but 
the work-life balance will probably always be challenging. I mean, I could get into a whole thing about our country and how we don't support parents or women or maternity leave or breastfeeding. It's like very, very embarrassing. And that's a cause that I could definitely get behind at some point. But you take it one day at a time and you do the best you can. Some days are really good mom days. Some days are really good work days. You had your daughter in COVID, right? Right before, a little bit before. I mean, I was still in like a postpartum haze until like, I just when I started to get together, it was COVID. So the timing was great. <laughs> so I think, again, the one nice thing about COVID was everybody was home. So at least you were able to be home, right? But it, look, I have a husband. We both have jobs. We don't have a child. And that allows me to do many things that a lot of my parent friends hate me for. <laughs> like, for example, go to Italy and get COVID on the way back. But... That being said, I think it is very challenging to be a parent and an executive director of a nonprofit. And so if you were talking to somebody who was about to become a parent, running a a nonprofit, whatever that is, what advice would you give them? I would say negotiate some maternity leave as much as you can, if you can get do more than 12 weeks. Honestly, I feel like it's like six months that would be what if we, in an ideal world that it takes, I mean, you're healing, it's a whole thing. So that would probably be my first bit of advice is negotiate the maximum maternity leave that you can possibly take. And Law Rocks was awesome to me. I didn't even know how it was going to be, but they were super supportive and have continued to be. But that would be my number one piece of advice is give yourself a little time. And then upon return, ease back in as much as you can and be gentle on yourself. Okay. So Let's say that you have a very small nonprofit and you don't have staff that can really fill in for you and you're a control freak because all of us who are executive directors, I'm sorry, we're all control freaks. So what is the advice now that you give me this control freak over here who's running a nonprofit who doesn't have a lot of staff to take over for me and yet I'm going to go, you know, leave for a few, for however many months. What advice do you give me? I think... You have to, I mean, a combination of preparation. Like I left extremely detailed notes for Ted and the woman who filled in for me for every event. I tried to get everything as prepared as I possibly can. Luckily, I actually had my daughter during our lull between the fall tour and the spring tour. But I think it would be as much as you possibly can get your ducks in a row. And then you're going to have to let go to some degree of something. You're going to drop a ball somewhere. It's just going to happen. So I guess it goes back to prioritization and you know, once you return to work or if you have to return to work sooner than ideal, what is the absolute most important thing and just being okay, not getting everything done all the time. Okay. For somebody who is a control freak like myself and most directors of nonprofits, it can't be easy, but I appreciate that advice. So (laughs) I'm going to ask you three last questions and I'm going to let you go. And the first is, all right, I'm a potential ticket buyer and, you know, there's this Law Rocks concert that's about to happen. What kind of music am I in store for? Probably a broad range of music. Obviously law rock, so it's a rock focus, but I mean, we've got my favorite artist represented often, Beyonce, and we'll have a little hip hop. We'll have some classic rock. It's a pretty good eclectic mix at most shows because you'll have younger folks and older folks, different eras. Even within one band, you might have a big mix. Like in LA, we have a band that does super funk, very, very funky type vibe. We'll have hard rock. And then we have another band that they'll play like a punked up versions of, of standard hits. So a wide variety, 
of different kinds of music, maybe some brass in the mix. We had a band bring a 14-piece string orchestra to DC last fall. So honestly, you never know what you're going to get. You just have to come out and check it out. Okay. And number two, are you looking for volunteers? Let's say that there's somebody in Miami right now who wants to come volunteer at a concert. Are you looking for volunteers? Yes, we are definitely looking for volunteers at the concerts and also virtual. We, we can use extra hands for sure. And we are excited to have volunteers. We had volunteers in Los Angeles this year. That was amazing. Please reach out. Okay. And number three, you're a marketing person. I mean, you really are a marketing, fundraising, crazy, amazing professional, aside from all the other things that you do. Can we market this show? Did I do a good job? Like, would you give me like at least a B, like a B minus? <laughs> you want me to grade you, Matt? I want you to grade me, yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. On the marketing of your show. On the marketing of this show. So, you know, I guess really you're grading Ashley to be perfect. <laughs> I mean, I see you on the, I, I see you on the platforms and I think I've gotten followed and I've followed back. So I think that's a, I'm going to say B plus. Let's do B plus. So there's room to grow. Okay. And this show, you and me. So as I told you, we're in Denmark, we're in Colombia, we're in Australia, we're in Canada. I want us to go to Japan. So that's it. Like you and I are going to Japan. I'm putting that out there. We're going to make that happen. Deal. But you're going to have to help us do that because like, there's only so much Ashley can do to be perfectly honest. So I'm very excited to spread the word about this episode and hopefully that can help people learn about law rocks because there are lawyers everywhere. My friend, tell me where we can find law rocks. Yes, we are at lawrocks.org and we are across all the social media platforms at law rocks global. And if somebody out there really wanted to come to a show, they just go on your website and then they can find one of the shows to go to. Yeah, we have our tour listed on our page and we have also a contact form for volunteering. You can donate. We're honestly all about trying to spread the word across the legal community right now to people who haven't heard of us yet. I think almost everyone I've ever talked to that is a lawyer, if they don't play music themselves, they have a colleague that plays music. Or... If you're on a nonprofit board and you're an attorney, maybe you should help put a band together to raise money for your organization at one of our shows. So yeah, we have cities around the world and we're always looking at new cities to add. So there's a lot of opportunity to get involved from coming to see a show to playing in a show or just telling a lawyer in your life, have you heard of Law Rocks? Done. So if anybody's out there, if you're a lawyer, if you have a lawyer on your board, if you want to become a lawyer, or if you are in any way good at music, this is the organization you should know. I mean, you're phenomenal. You're amazing. Also, I do want to highlight, like you've been here for close to nine years. That's a long time for anybody to be at a nonprofit. So maybe don't be surprised if you get recruited very soon. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. So Omi, is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listener with before we let you go? I love the singular listener that has made me giggle every time I've listened. Maybe I'm the listener. <laughs> I am so glad to have gotten the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciated this time. All right. Well, uh, last cheers, because I haven't seen you drink anything this whole show. I've been drinking. Cheers to you. You're amazing, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Matt. 
So what do you think of our friend Omi? You know I love Omi. I love Omi even though she only gave me a B plus in marketing. So, you know, I think that gives me something to think about. That's what she said she wants me to aspire to. I mean, honestly, Matt, we both know that was probably even kind of generous. I'm working on it. I am really trying to to kick up my marketing game. I didn't realize she gave you a B plus. I guess I, in my brain, thought she said D plus. You Ooh. sure it was B? It wasn't D. <laughs> I should go back and listen because obviously B and D do sound very similar. And those are very different scores. Omi's and my friendship might not recover quite the same way if, in fact, she said D plus as in dog. I, I do it every once in a while. I'm going to give you props right now. Are you ready? I'm literally sitting down. Here's the props to you. Okay. So just for folks who are listening, like I want to know how our show is doing. And there's something called Chartable where you can see like who's listening to the show. So we're in the nonprofit category. I always look to see how we're doing. And usually we're like top 100, top 50 in the country of nonprofit podcasts, right? So for the last like four weeks, we have not even been top 200. And so I'm like, what is happening? And then I realized it's because Ashley has been asleep on the job. To be honest, Ashley, you usually are asleep on the job. You've been drinking. A lot of times. Everybody knows that, right? But I got to tell you, so then I called you up and I was like, hey, we suck. We haven't broken 200. What are you doing, lady? And you gave me some excuse about a puppy and a dog and all that and whatever. I don't think anybody believed it. You just <laughs> you just didn't want to do your job anymore. Fine. So over the last two weeks, we've gone back and now we're top 50 because, Ashley, you are back on social media. So what you're saying is that my engaging from nonprofit underscore on underscore the underscore rocks actually makes a difference. Like my engagement on the Instagram feed that you relentlessly tease me about is actually, you think, moving the needle. How many underscores do you need in a handle on Instagram? If I could put more in, I would. I'm actually surprised you didn't, but I'm going to tell you something. I do appreciate the fact that we are now back to top 50. And I do believe that's because you're back in the wheel. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe I have to take you out to more happy hours. What do I need to do? Because I want to be number one on this show. Maybe you just need more of our guests to rate me Mm. and give me kind of like some substandard grades Mm. so that I feel motivated to prove them wrong. Paying me more than quarters. That could also be another, but I mean, I don't know. Do we have to talk about a raise on this show? Is this the time to talk about a raise or is that next season? I Do mean, you- if there's going to be a next season, we should probably talk about my raise. And on that next season note, what I'm so proud about, as we talked about in the intro, is that next episode is going to be with my partner, Allison. If it's not hilarious... I need to fire myself because as you know, Ashley, I do think I'm hilarious. I do. I think you're hilarious. And like, I feel like Allison's pretty funny. So like, it has to be a good show, right? It has to be a good show. It has to be. You and Allison are extremely good at what you do in the nonprofit space and in your consulting work. And you are also extremely hilarious. So why wouldn't people want to tune in for both of those things? Agreed. Agreed. Well, I'm hoping that we market the hell out of it. Is that what you're hoping? I'm hoping, Ashley, that you market the hell out of this show. You make it. (gasps) Here's my directive to you. Here is my directive that with Envision's help, that this show with Allison Fuller is top five. Can you do it? 
Can this show be the one that finally dethrones Mark Watterson and Mark mm-hmm. Watterson's episode? That right. is going to be the true test, Matt. All right, I'm in. So actually, before we leave our listener, well, actually listeners, actually, because now we're top 50 again. Is there anything that you would like to share with them Aside from the fact that you've asked me for a raise now a few times and I haven't listened, anything that you want to share before we let them go? First of all, just hola to all of our listeners in Colombia. And muchas gracias, everyone, for listening these last four seasons. And I really do hope everyone tunes in because my job literally depends on your listenership. So tune in next week. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to our show on our social medias, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find our show on YouTube or at www.envisionnonprofit.com. Thank you, Ashley. It's been, as always, a gift.